Hey, welcome to Bulls Gold here on Nothing But Net Radio, a part of Dash Radio. I'm Edward Schuler, joined as always by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how's it going today, man? Good, good. Exciting weekend of good basketball. We we had fun. It was fun games. Obviously, Luca being Luca, I was I was gonna I was gonna ask you if we can change to a Bulls slash Luka Doncic uh, show, but I, I don't know if you would be up for that. I'm down. Luka is, we know Luka is nasty. <laughs> we really wanted him a few years back, but the balls just really didn't uh, bounce in our favor. I mean, lucky for Dallas, they have possibly, I mean, he has a chance to be the best player in the league at some point. So, I mean, they have absolutely, like, absolutely a phenomenal phenomenal player but yeah you're right the playoffs have been going really well in the NBA and as we know the Bulls had a little bit of lottery luck for like the first time in a while so they moved up to the uh, number four overall pick and yeah it was uh it was very interesting it seemed like there was a chance the Bulls actually might move up even further but then there was a little buzzkill and they just stayed at four but that's all good anyway because the Bulls chances have improved of actually maybe getting a good player in this draft even though this draft is a little bit skeptical overall in depth but we're going to break all of that down and we're also going to get into some coaching stuff as well and to help us break all of that down uh joining us again he covers the Bulls for NBC Sports Chicago Rob Schaefer Rob thanks for joining us man yeah, it's good to be back. I think it's my third time on the show, so it's uh, always good talking to you guys. And uh, yeah, excited to get into draft stuff. Um, I'm always down for a, a little Luca talk to because he's just awesome, man. Oh yeah. Um, I feel like I do have to obligatorily remind everyone who's like, he'll be the best player in the league next year. That you know, we do have a 25, 24, 25 year old in Giannis who's about to be a reigning two time MVP and possible <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year. But that just shows you what a good place the league is in right now, talent wise, and. Um, the bubble seems to have just amplified all of the talents in the league in a really exciting way. Like Donovan Mitchell breaking out, mm-hmm. Jamal Murray's going to get overshadowed for the series that he's having if they fall in five or six, but he's been great. You know, you could go down the list, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, you know, fortunately with the lottery luck with the Bulls stuff you were talking about, the Bulls are not an uninteresting team to talk about right now. So we can, uh, we can do a little bit of both. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So what, what was your what was your initial reaction before we get into the options that are going to be available? What was your initial reaction when you saw that the Bulls had jumped up into the top four? So uh, there was a little disappointment at first because I had a couple funny number seven tweets that you know everybody <laughs> had those lined up. Everybody pre-writes those a couple hours before and you got them ready to go. Yeah. So a little disappointment at first, just the comedian in me. Yeah. Um, but no, the uh, – Moving up, I mean, in some ways it was entirely predictable. I woke up that morning um, and I texted my colleague Casey Johnson. We were texting about it and we kind of had this running thing going where it just felt predetermined that the Bulls were going to get the number one pick because what could make this offseason any crazier than that Mm. from the front office overall to the last dance to being left out of the bubble and that workouts are going on, Um, you know, the Jim Boylan saga. um, It kind of felt fitting that they would have something wonky happen at the lottery. Um, so I was surprised because it's been 12 years since they moved up from their pre-lottery standing, but at the same time, uh, it felt fitting for this off season. Um, and then, yeah, you have that like two or three minute commercial break where you're like, Oh my God, are they really about to get, um, you know, a top three, a top two with the number one pick scrambling to figure out who else is in there. Okay. Charlotte jumped up with them. Um, but that, that program for it being a half hour long and the first 20 minutes are just nothing. And then all of the action happens in like 60 seconds. It was an absolute yeah. whirlwind. But 
um, where they end up. Like you said, Edward, it was uh, maybe a little bit of a buzzkill to not get any further than four, but there's no way you can't be happy with, with having a top four pick. Um, you know, and especially in this draft, it kind of looks like they could end up with any number of the top prospects at that spot. It just doesn't seem like anybody knows um, what the consensus is going to be at the top. So, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see how what route they go. We we still don't have an idea as far as what Kurnishevis will do because it's new, right? We, we're so truly trying to get to know him. I think the only thing we really know about him is. It's not a joke. He he is very thorough. So he's he's definitely going to be doing a lot of homework and trying to decide. And I know you wrote an article on on NBC Sports Chicago about all the op, you know different options that we'll see at number four. Um, what what do you think as far as even the conversations maybe that you've heard from Kornishevis and what he has done in the past with Denver. What do you think the guys kind of guys that he'll look at? Yeah. So I actually asked him this after the lottery at his conference call, kind of having an idea of what he was going to say. I tried to frame it in a way of like, um, what skill sets do you think this team needs? What skill sets might you be looking for in a draft prospect? And he basically volleyed it um, and said, we're going best talent available, which I think, again, if you're a Bulls fan, that's exactly what you want to hear for a team that just won 22 out of 65 games the biggest need really is talent. Uh, so the best talent available is, is where he'll go. Um, pretty much undoubtedly. The question is what they value and what the best, what their board is going to look like as it pertains to quote unquote, best talent available. Um, from my seat, I think there could be um, a marriage of talent and fit on this bulls team, not necessarily positionally, but I just think one thing that this roster and this core really badly needs is a playmaker, a table setter, somebody to, um, to kind of get the offense organized and, and working in a um, methodical and efficient way. I, you know, we, the, the Bulls have guys that can score. They have guys that can fill it up and Kobe White and Zach Levine and um, Lowry Markinen, despite regression, I think he's still, you know, obviously uh, uh, can be a prolific outside shooter and can be a play finisher attacking closeouts and in transition and things like that. I, I think Wendell Carter has uh, another offensive step he can take. Um, so to me, I just see having, even if it's another 19 or 20 year old, um, which obviously there will be a learning curve there. I just think playmakers are, and especially playmakers for others are something that this team needs. And there's a wealth of them at the top of the draft board. Um, you know, LaMelo ball is a lot of people's, um, you know, number one pick. Uh, he's probably my favorite prospects just because of the upside. I just think the things that he's able to do, the, the array of passes he has at his disposal, um, his handle being as tight as it is and on a string um, and at his size at six, seven, six, eight is really tantalizing. Um, he just has a really innate feel for the game and skill that is uh, super intriguing. Um, and then other guys near the top that, that have that playmaking uh, potential, you know, guys like uh, Denny Avia um, from Maccabi Tel Aviv. Uh, he's obviously kind of a point forward swing forward type guy at six, eight, six, nine. Uh, he's, he's a guy I would be intrigued by if I was the bulls, Killian Hayes is a guy that's kind of entered people's thoughts um, over the last you know week or so. Uh, a French guard, point guard who's uh, playing in Germany. Another dude who just pretty much has, especially with his left hand, every pass in the book at his disposal. Kind of a sneaky floater, step back game. Um, I think he could be a really cagey defender too because he's long and, and kind of fluid in his movements. Um, so it's just a bunch of guys like that. I, I think those three certainly qualify. You know, guys a little further down like a Tyrese Halliburton um, qualify too. 
but yeah, I, I mean, I think in terms of talent and fit, those guys make a lot of sense. Um, oh, the thing about this draft, though, is just every one of these guys are going to have red flags mm-hmm. and it's just going to be a you know risk reward analysis for fans when they're deciding their favorite prospects and then ultimately the front office. So we'll see in terms of his draft history, uh, Karnaschovas has never picked this high before in Denver. They picked uh, number seven twice, I believe was the highest they went. Um, and they went with uh, they one hit, one miss Jamal Murray and Emmanuel Moutier. So um, yeah, we'll see how they approach this as, as the first top four pick kind of in his um, managerial experience. And, and that's the interesting thing about this draft. And we were talking about this last week, but, I feel like if you if you looked at the boards of each team in the league and you just wanted a top five, I think the top five for each team would be drastically different. I, like it, it really is the ultimate just who's your guy draft because it, Anthony Edwards, I mean, I think he's going to go in the top two, but it wouldn't be surprising if he goes four or five. Uh, Avia could go anywhere from top five top 10 we really don't know like it's kind of similar to 2013 when anthony bennett went number one overall like there's there's going to be some some random things that happen in this class and Celine referenced the article that you wrote after the draft where you summed up a lot of the draft analysts who have different players going to the Bulls. It's anywhere from Toppin to Hayes to Ball to Avia. I think I saw one in there that had uh, Okoro in there. It's it's really interesting the amount of randomness that I think is going to happen in this class. But but here's my theory, and I wanted to get your uh, take on this as well. Given that, as you mentioned, there's going to be a lot of red flags at the top of this draft. There's no sure thing. So to me, this feels like the perfect opportunity to just take to take a shot in the dark. Just just take a home home run swing, as a lot of people like to say. And you you mentioned table setter. We need a playmaker. To me, Lamelo Ball feels like the guy that I would hope is there at four. What do you, what do you think about that strategy of just wanting to just take a big swing in a draft like this? Oh, I agree completely. And that's, and that's part of why um, I like LaMelo so much more. I, that's why he's kind of in a tier of his own to me um, in relation to, to the rest of the class, just because yeah, he, he really is just that tantalizing big home run swing. I don't necessarily think it's a shot in the dark because mm. he's shown kind of the skill he's played professionally, obviously, um, scoring the ball, he's got to be a little bit more efficient and there will be defensive questions too. Although, um, I'm a believer that his length and kind of his basketball IQ will help him make up some ground, um, in that department. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think he is a great captain for a modern kind of up-tempo, um, read and react offense. So I definitely agree that a home run swing is something that makes a lot of sense in this draft when there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of red flags, like you're not going to find the perfect safe prospect that's going to come in and um, give you exactly what you think before. I think, you know, all these guys are going to come in and we're going to have to see how they adjust. Um, I also think for all those same reasons, the inverse could happen and we could see a lot of teams try to trade out of their spots. Um, if I'm the Bulls, I don't know if I necessarily do that um, or, or, you know, it's been brought up. What if Lamelo looks like he's going two to the Warriors and they want to trade up? I, I could really see any argument for any number of approaches. Um, but trading down could even make sense too because if you go – and move back into the five or 10 range, 
first of all, you could end up with a guy that's high up on your board, maybe than other teams, as you guys were saying, with everybody's boards presumably looking a lot different. Um, and they're just are they're intriguing wing guys from Devin Vassell to Okoro um, to, to, you know, on, on down the line. I mean, even Hayes, who has been mocked to the Bulls in the top five, even he has a pretty wide range of outcomes, it seems. Um, so I, I could really see any of these teams taking this in any direction really imaginable. Um, so I think if, if I'm a bulls fan though, um, it does give me a little bit of encouragement that this new front office stream seems to be kind of open-minded to anything and is Salim, as you mentioned, thorough, deliberate, all, uh, all of the above characteristics there, um, that they will kind of explore every Avenue. Uh, the hope is that they just end up at the right decision because it is kind of an important swing point for the rebuild at this point. If you can come out of this draft, with a contributor with potentially a building block, it's just going to really expedite a lot of the other things they want to do. Let me ask you, have you had the opportunity to ask Kernershevitz about the process in general? Because obviously with the current environment, we're not, he's obviously, teams are obviously not going to be able to do a regular type of combine um, meeting with players. Uh, Have you had the opportunity to talk to him about that and, what the NBA is doing and how the Bulls are going to spearhead go into that process. Yeah, he touched on that briefly um, in the lottery call. He he doesn't give, um, and I you know I think it's a totally reasonable way to approach the job. He doesn't give a ton of ground in the conference call environment, so uh, we don't necessarily have an in depth look at how um, he might approach it. Uh, he did touch on it though. He did mention that um, kind of in person scouting is something that he'll miss out on this year. Um, he, I think he said that he generally tries to make two or three trips um, for players that are being seriously considered and things like that. He obviously has a, a pretty uh, expansive talent evaluation background. Um, I think just tonally, though, one thing that can be taken away from the way that he answers questions about the pre-draft process, which uh, we still don't necessarily know how it's going to play out as of right now. I think there's talks of a virtual combine, but um, given that it seemed like from the original pre-draft guidelines that um, – observing workouts did remotely wasn't necessarily going to be a part of it. I, I think the combine might just come down to being um, kind of just a me- uh, getting one standard measurement for everybody and then taking it from there. Um, one thing tonally that we could take away though, is that he one said that the combine generally isn't as big of an evaluation tentpole for him as it is maybe some other people. Um, he seems to be a proponent of doing your work and doing your homework during the year and grinding tape as things are happening. Um, which I think is a good thing. Uh, he said that the combine is kind of just an opportunity to interview players, to see them in person and see the measurables and everything like that. And um, he has mentioned on multiple occasions that the Bulls have interviewed a lot of different prospects and reports have kind of trickled out there. Um, but yeah, I, and he, the other thing he said is that he sees it as an opportunity, kind of as an opportunity to take on a new challenge and all of the you know kind of leadership buzzwordy things there. Um, so I think that's all saying the right stuff. Um it, it certainly is going to affect the way that they evaluate talent, but it's going to affect everybody the same way. So um, maybe you could say that because the Bulls have a new front office regime, it might impact them a little bit more. Uh, but it sounds like behind the scenes, um, AK has kind of surrounded himself with people he trusts and they'll figure it out one way or another. So what do you think the impact is of choosing best player available? Because granted, as you mentioned, this is a 20 something win team the last three seasons. But if you look up and down the roster, there are players who the the prior, uh, the past regime did invest in. So 
it, it figures that whoever you're going to draft is going to get in the way of somebody, right? If you draft a guard, everyone's going to be like, okay, Kobe, Zach, like what's going on? Like, are they a long-term piece? If you draft a forward with Wendell and uh, Lowry there, if you draft a center, Carl, Wendell is there, Gafford is off the bench. It seems like somebody is going to be hit and someone is not going to be a long-term piece. So what do you make of that? Like, what is the impact of choosing best player available? I know it's in, I know it's, it's important to do that because you want the best player, obviously, but there is a trickle down effect. And a lot of fans do believe in some of the players that are still here and feel like with better coaching, better development, just better all, all, all around environment, those players can still succeed. So what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's interesting. I think that is something we can look back to um, AK's history on too, because in Denver, he obviously, I think the biggest example of kind of that log jam was having Yusuf Nurkic and Nikola Jokic at the same time. Mm. And then obviously Nurkic ends up getting shuttled to Portland for assets. I think they got Will Barton back in that deal. I might be mistaken there, but um, you know, that's, that certainly is an indicator that he's not afraid, Karnasovas uh, 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 at least, is not afraid to create those log jams. Um, I think that's especially true in an off season where the bulls aren't going to be able to make the kinds of changes that maybe are necessary, the kinds of roster overhauling. Um, so we could end up in a situation where you just take whoever until there's a new coach in place. I don't know exactly, or I don't even know if we can speculate too deeply into how, you know, drafting somebody like Obi top and how does that affect Lowry Markin or drafting a James Wiseman? How would that affect Wendell Carter? I think it's going to be tough to speculate rotationally what that looks like until there's a new coach in place and we can kind of pick their brain about that. Um, but certainly I, I think it all is just kind of building to AK and the rest of the new front office and the new coach getting next season to evaluate the roster top to bottom. However, the minutes and, you know, usage shakes out um, and then making long-term decisions on these guys next off season when they're going to have a little bit more flexibility. The one thing I'd say is there are some positions where you're not going to create the biggest or the most problematic logjam, I think if they end up with a wing type, a small forward type, um, there is a slot open there right now, even if all of the core pieces pan out and they end up part of the future. Small forward is a place where they don't seem to have um, a future option uh, in place and established unless you're really high on Chandler Hutchinson after his tweet today that he's feeling 100% healthy. Um, <laughs> so that that's one area, the, the problem being that the best player available and – um, need don't necessarily intersect at the small forward spot or at the wing spot. Um, I'm not necessarily a believer that um, Avia, for example, is a small forward in the NBA. I think he's more of a four, uh, especially defensively. Um, that's something that he'll, you know, they'd have to sort out in evaluating him. Uh, I do think there is an opportunity, though, if, if they go with a big lead guard, a Halliburton, a Hayes, um, Avia to a degree, uh, a ball, that they actually could augment and amplify guys like Zach and Kobe, um, even if it does create a minutes issue with who's going to start and who's not. Um, those are two guys in Zach and Kobe who can really fill it up. And, you know, we have a larger sample size with Zach, but I think it's true of Kobe too. They're both really effective off-ball players. They're really effective catch-and-shoot guys. Um, they're guys that do well off the ball, that are athletic and fast in their own rights. Um, so I think, you know, a lead guard, while it could create a little bit of a minutes issue that we'd have to parse through in preseason and start of the season and see how the roles pan out. Uh, I do think there is, you know, greater good that can be done for people's games. Um, if there was more of a distributing playmaking lead guard in place, 
Um, but, you know, unfortunately, it's just all going to be wait and see beyond that till we get the new coach and see how him and AK and or him or him or her and AK interact and interact with the media and kind of give us the insight into um, into what they're thinking there. But it is interesting because, you know, on the one hand, it's a 22 win team and there's an understanding that that has to change, like major things have to change to turn that around um, as much as. Jim Boylan is an easy person to cast aside and say that'll solve all the problems. It, that, I'm not sure that that's necessarily true. Yeah. There are roster things that have to happen too. Um, but on the other hand, you know, uh, there's reason to be high on every one of the Bulls' core pieces individually. You can make an argument. Um, so it's tough. I mean, I'm glad it's a. Th- it's, I'm glad it's not an issue that I have to grapple with in the way that the front office does. I could just kind of criticize them. However, it turns out yeah. that's the beauty of this job, as opposed to that <laughs> job. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to watch it play out, and I think it'll be fun to read into whoever they pick as it pertains to all that. I know we talk about who the Bulls can take at four, and that's kind of been most of the conversation of all the potential uh, possibilities. Do you think there could be a chance that they trade down? And again, I talk about we talk about kind of swinging for the fences. Um, this doesn't necessarily this player that I'm going to bring up doesn't fit fill a need but he's a very boom or bust player um not not sure if you've heard of him he's a serbian professional basketball player uh poke things pokushevsky yeah yeah exactly and i've been i you know some of the draft people i follow they bought him up and this is about a like a month ago that they've been talking about him and you know now it's that the bulls Obviously, going into this, I wasn't sure what the Bulls would do, and I'm looking at this guy, and I know like Lamelo Ball again. Yeah, he's a boomer bust guy, and this guy, kid looks like exactly that. He's the youngest player in this draft. Um, has a lot of potential. He can handle the ball. He can shoot. He's very thin framed. He's gonna need a lot of polish and kind of tender love and care, if you will. A part have patience with him. Probably spent a lot of time in the D League or G League, if you will. But just as that, do you think? I mean, kind of getting sidetracked there. But do you think there's a possibility that uh, he could really trade down and and go that route and see what what he has uh, potentially in, in, in regards to that? Oh yeah, no doubt. I, and he and uh, Karnaschovas left the door. I, I don't. I wouldn't say that he hinted at them doing that, but he. I think he's leaving the door based on his comments. He's leaving the door open to pretty much any approach they want to take, which, you know, at this point with two months until the draft is the right play, like don't tip your hand. Um, and they might not even know what their hand is yet. If they're still kind of getting a sense of what their board is going to be. Um, yeah. Po- uh, in terms of Poku, I, you know, I'm, I'm no draft expert. I, I kind of get acquainted with the guys in the bulls range and, you know, watch a handful of games for them. So I, I haven't seen really much of um, Pogosevsky outside of Twitter clips and people talking about how, Oh, he's seven feet tall. He's got this crafty handle. He can shoot a little bit. Um, obviously, from what I've seen of him, I, I agree. He looks really slight of frame, and that obviously would have to change, but he's 18. I mean, what did anybody look like at 18? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know about him specifically, but I definitely would not anticipate uh, Karnaschovas closing off any options um, in terms of trading down. It makes sense doing this draft because, you know, it seems like anywhere from one to 10, you could get any number of these guys – um, or, you know, if their board is drastically different from a team below them and they feel like they can do, obviously it's a false equivalence, but kind of similar to what the Celtics did to the 76ers a few years ago where they thought, Hey, 
everybody loves this Fultz guy. Actually, Jason Tatum is number one on our board. Maybe we can go back to three, still get our number one guy and pick up an asset down the line. Um, the way the Bulls are situated right now, you can never have too many assets. So I think that's always a good thing to explore. Um, I, I just, I keep thinking about it. I keep thinking about the fact that they jumped the Knicks who are now at eight and they just seem like a team that is always desperate, always looking for that big splash. I don't know what they have to offer, but that's one that I've been kind of in the back of my mind. I've been thinking of looking into and, and thinking, is there something to be worked out there? Um, cause you know, with Tibbs, they're going to be looking to, if not win now, drastically improve next year, rebuild faster. And if they are in a mode where they're desperate enough to be preyed on as a team, um, trading back and them trading up, like maybe there's something there. That's, that's as far as I've gone down the trade down, uh, line of thought. Um, but they should definitely be open to it. There's no reason not to be. And if you can keep stacking assets for, like we talked about that summer of 2021, when they'll be flexible, you know, if you it's one thing to have cap space. It's another thing to have assets on top of your own draft capital down the line to use in trades, sign in trades, things of that nature. Um, so I definitely don't think they'll close off any options and definitely wouldn't surprise me to see that happen. Although it's hard to pin down the exact likelihood right now. So let, let, I want you to try and predict the top three with Minnesota, Golden State and Charlotte, because again, I, I know it's, it's, probably not going to be perfect but given the early randomness that we think can occur like how do you see that shaking out to affect where the bulls go because i mean golden state obviously i think a lot of people are saying wiseman there makes sense they need a big minnesota you really don't know edwards could be ball could be avia i don't know charlotte you would think Charlotte needs a big, but they could be in a situation where they're just taking BPA. It really is so much unpredictability. So what is your best guess at the top three? Yeah, so I had a mock draft the night of the lottery, and I'm not a, you know, I'm not someone who has intel all around the league with these teams necessarily. So I'm not guessing that from a place of knowing what the teams are thinking. It's kind of just a you know, there's a fit here. There's a best player available intersection possibly. And it it seems like this is where, um, you know, experts, people that know the most are are trending. It seems to me like Edwards isn't a guy that's going to slip out of the top one to three, which makes sense to me because I I could see Minnesota talking themselves into him as, all right, we've got D'Lo, we've got Towns, let's get a wing. Let's get a a real big bodied athlete um, who potentially could be a two-way guy if he really applies himself defensively. Uh, but at the very least is going to be a three level score with, you know, peak athleticism and things like that. I, I can see them talking themselves into him. Um, I just, it, 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 I've seen mocks where LaMelo slips past one to three. Um, but just given, at least in my eyes, how I see him kind of on a level of his own, um, it would just surprise me if he slipped any further than that. So I, I probably see them going in some order one and one and two. Um, Charlotte's a little bit tougher to predict. I was actually talking to um, my buddy, uh, Mike Walton, who I know has been on this show before. The other day we were texting um, and we were just talking about how Wiseman just seems like such a peak Michael Jordan pick. Um, obviously him running the, running the Hornets and owning the Hornets. It just seems like such a peak, like go with the physical tools, go with the big man. Um, so I, I could see that fit. Um, I, I do think if LaMelo slipped to them, if I'm them, I'm grabbing him instantly for a lot of the same reasons. I would love LaMelo in Chicago because uh, Charlotte has those two scoring guards and Rogier and Graham that I just think Lamella would elevate with his playmaking 
Um, Graham and Rogier obviously doing like I was talking about with Zach and Kobe, great work off the ball. Um, so I, I would bet Wiseman ball Edwards at this point in some order, uh, reserve the right to change my mind, you know, yeah. 80 different times before this actually comes to pass. I think everybody will be, um, that would be my best guess at it. And then after that, things obviously, uh, could get crazy. Um, but if I, if I'm the Warriors actually, and I'm thinking about a big it too, I might even like, uh, the guy to USC and Yeko Okongwu a little bit more just cause it seems like he fits their kind of versatile, um, multi-positional being able to guard every coverage in the pick and roll fleet footed center a little bit more than Wiseman, um, who maybe is a little bit more lumbering, but you know, that's just me spitballing. I don't know what range Okongo is necessarily going to go. And I've seen him everywhere from top three or four to back towards the back end of the top 10. So um, my, my best guess right now is Edwards ball Wiseman in some order. Uh, but I guess, you know, we just have to wait and see what we get closer. And then that, that probably yeah. brings down out of out of four, I think. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I, that's what I had in my mock. I, I just, it, he feels like I, I know he's been linked to the Bulls a ton also. So that was, you know, part of the reasoning there. Um, and I, I personally am intrigued by Abia. I'm, I'm not sure on him yet. The more I dig, he's the guy that I've been watching the most of in the last day or two. Um, I just got done watching their uh, run through the Israeli league playoffs, um, which they won and Abia won MVP. He was the youngest um, Israeli league MVP in 19, uh, which is obviously a great achievement. Um, the dig, the, the more you dig on him, the more I kind of am moving closer to lukewarm, maybe than to all in, but, um, still intrigued there. And I think he does make sense for the bulls in terms of, uh, filling a slot in the forward rotation and being a big playmaker. Um, I just, I would have questions about the fit with Lowry and, and things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, we talk about best player available. They're just going to take the highest upside guy and, and figure out the fit stuff later. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would expect Abia to be there for, but again, who knows? Anything could change over the next two months, which is so funny because it seems like nothing changes ever. But at the same time, with the lack of consensus, it, it's kind of draft boards are scrambling all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, with Advia, I, I like, I, originally I was very much like, yeah, I like this guy. But reading more about him, it seems like you worry about him. I think, I don't think he's going to be a primary ball handler. I think he's good as a secondary guy, and we have plenty of those on this roster. Uh, I don't know how if he develops down the road. Obviously, that's a different question. If he could become one, that's a different, you know, that's a different argument. But I think, and you bring up that he's probably more of a four, and I look at it, that kind of comes down to him being a better fit with Wendell as opposed to being a fit with Lowry and you just obviously acknowledge that his fit with Lowry would be a question mark. So mm-hmm. you kind of do concern about hopefully, I don't know if they're going to be, if they're, if they're really all in on him or really look how hard they're going to be looking at him, but I guess it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah. I I like, I like Avia, but I, I'm with you guys that he, he's solid, but he's, it doesn't feel like he is he's not a primary option. I question if he's ever going to be a high volume scorer. And I do think if you take him, he is definitely a power forward in today's league because I just don't see him staying with threes and being quick enough to guard that position. And then of course the icing on the cake is that you're I mean, there's no chance you're re-signing Lowry Markinen after that because you're you're effectively taking his replacement. So it, 
there there is a lot to really digest with him. However, I do like, though, that if you have Advia, I like the fact that him and Wendell Carter Jr. would be two bigs that can pass the ball really well, yet you can use in so many versatile passing situations. I mean, you could use Avia to run, pick, and roll. We know there's so much to unlock with Wendell Carter Jr. as a passing hub in the Bulls' offense. So to me, that would be really appealing because I I don't think Markkanen, even though I know he's capable of passing the ball, I don't look at him as someone who is like a distributor or someone who can like run the offense a little bit here and there. So I, I, I could see that a that being appealing but to me it feels like and and I know uh people are tired of the Dario Saric comparisons but it does feel like he's a little bit of that in a way maybe a little better but I don't know I I it's just with Saric it just feels like there's the good there's the bad and it's just like you don't feel like that great about it sometimes either I don't know yeah and the and the jumper is a, a much bigger question I think with Avia than a guy like Sarich. Um, I mean, even watching him, I know he got better throughout the year um, in the in their run through the playoffs, which I think was five games long. He was pretty abysmal. I think he was 25% from three on 25 attempts. Yeah. Um, so that's five for 25. The free throw shooting, obviously, being sub-60 for the year isn't great. Uh, I think the thing that's encouraging is his form looks all right to me. I'm not a shock doctor, but it looks all right to me. When it goes in, it looks good. Um, there's, there's, I think there's some mechanical stuff with him kind of stepping uh, a little bit out of his stance as he's kind of going up and down that is um, uh, may, would make maybe make me a little apprehensive. Uh, but it, the best way I could think to describe it, and we, we just had um, Ricky O'Donnell over at SB Nation. We had him on uh, our Bulls pod uh, this morning. It's coming out tomorrow morning. Um, and the way that he described Avia, he's not, and I, you know, obviously I think anybody would trust Ricky's opinion more than, especially being at the center of the Bulls draft event diagram mm. as much as anybody. And he's a little bit lower on Avia than I think most seem to be. And the way he described him is a jack of all trades, but a master of none, which I think is a great way to describe it. Um, what I like about Avia is that he impacts the game in a lot of different ways. He's a pretty persistent and active team defender from what I've seen. You know, he pokes balls out. He actually racks up more blocks than maybe um, you'd expect. Obviously, uh, he's a great transition passer. He's got kind of bullet passes and, and hit aheads. Um, in the half court, he's a pretty good pick and roll operator. Um, rebounds, average, average seven or eight rebounds a game over that playoff run, um, and can score a little bit. You know, he's got a he's got a little bit of a post game in his arsenal. Work on that offhand, yada yada. You know, like you said, Edward, it's a lot to digest. Mm. But at the end of the day, if he doesn't have that supremely elite NBA level skill, and maybe he does, and maybe you know, I'm not a scout, I'm just not seeing it. But, um, you know, it, it just for the time being, he's someone I'm intrigued by, but not fully sold on yet. Um, certainly open to to that changing, but we'll see. Um, because the idealized version of him, obviously, for all the reasons we've been talking about, would be an intriguing fit on the Bulls. I'd like the way you broke down his front court mm-hmm. fit with Wendell, because uh, I'm not as sold on Lowry as a passer, even if I do think he could have been used more handling and attacking the basket and things like that and being on the move last year. It's why it's kind of, a bummer that last year is such a sunk cost in terms of development because yeah. we exit this year having more questions about Larry Markkinen than we entered. And you could say that about most everybody on the court, except for Zach Levine. Um, when you would like to, after having had a third year, know exactly what you're getting in him and what drafting another, you know, three, four type um, would look like next to him. You would just like to have a clearer idea of that, but unfortunately we don't. Yeah. Cause that's the problem I think is you mentioned at the top of the show is that we, 
the, the Bulls really do need someone who can lift the ceiling of his team. And when you look up and down the roster, there's not really a guard that can create for others and put them in better situations to succeed. It's like, okay, Levine and White, they're, we, we like them. But they're scorers, and you would ideally want another player to allow them to just be scorers because you don't want either one of them to be the primary guy. And jury's going to be out as to whether LaMelo Ball might be that guy. But at the very least, you see a player that can find bigs, who can find shooters, who can really help the Bulls in transition. So I I see it in him. But when you look at Avia, it's like, okay, he can pass. His, his form looks good, and he seems like – I, I agree with the uh, jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none thing. And he, he is a little bit unique in the sense that, yes, he's 6'9", can run, pick, and roll, and, and probably a better athlete than I think people are going to give him credit for. But it's just like if you draft him, then you're still lacking that primary guy. You still don't have anyone who is the prime who, – who really can be that. So it's you're, – you're still – on a boat with that but it's it's interesting at least I mean it I hate the limit comparisons just to international players but and and I granted I don't think their games are completely similar but if if there was a chance that Avia could be a Danilo Gallinari type of player in terms of impact maybe over his career would that be something that would be worth the pick at number four yeah that's really interesting. Again, I just think the scoring um, has to come around a little bit more, but that that's a really um, that's a really intriguing comp. Hmm. Yeah, stay away from the Doncic comparisons. <laughs> People keep trying to. I don't want to. Well, that's a, that's my theory here. Is he's the new Dirk, where everyone in Europe Europe that's going to come out with some sort of ball handling European wing type player is going to be the next Luca. Like every seven footer coming out of Europe is the next Dirk. So I think that, that we're going to see this every year. I swear it's going to happen. Yeah. They're not even remote. Their games are just not even remotely comparable. Yeah, they're the, not. The one thing that I see with the Luca thing, and it doesn't really have anything to do with Luca. It has more to do with how we evaluate international prospects is to not sleep on the idea of, Hey, these dudes have been playing professionally, like for, you know, longer than a couple of years or not longer than a couple of years, a couple of years, like for Denny, for someone like Denny to carve out a role, on a pro team, uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv, which is, I, I believe, one of the more storied franchises in the Israeli league. You know, regardless of what you think of the competition of that league, that is something that shouldn't be scoffed at necessarily. I think you could say the same about Killian um, in Germany, where he was playing, um, and Lamelo in the NBL too, which I believe is the NBL is regarded as one of the better pro leagues that's non NBA in the world. So that that's the one thing I see where people kind of dismissed Luca's international experience because it wasn't, you know ncaa but that's that's where it ends to me their games just are not remotely similar to me and it uh yeah definitely comes across a certain way when when you kind of equate those two things when there doesn't seem to be a reason to it feels like that's what yeah it feels like we overcompensate that's one of my theories about this draft too is we're seeing a lot of these uh guys coming from overseas that have played essentially against grown men uh you wonder if they're better than we think they are because of that you know they could have probably, if they went to college, they probably put up better numbers, and maybe we have a different opinion of them because mm-hmm. of that. But it'll be interesting to see how that works out as well. Yeah, it feels like it feels like we overcompensate when we miss out 
on these great talents. Like, granted, we knew Luca was a great prospect. I don't know if we thought that he was necessarily going to be transcendent, which is what looks like he's going to be on the path of. But when you watch Luka Doncic, like, I remember the first time I watched him, granted, just some YouTube clips. Like, but I was like half sleep, and then he did something. I was like, oh, <laughs> like you just you're taken back from it. You're like, okay, there's something different about this guy immediately. So it, it just seems like it happens all the time. You we miss on Steph Curry. Now we're looking for the next guard that can hit 30 footers off the dribble. We miss Scottie Pippen. So you're looking for the next six, seven, six, eight, four who can guard every position on the floor and ball handle and do all those things. It just we always overcompensate when we miss, and I think Salim is right. Like it's, we're gonna for the next twenty years, we're gonna hear, is this international prospect? Is he the next Luca? He can handle the ball. He made a pass off the pick and roll. He even hit a step back. He's got to be Luca, right? <laughs> we're gonna see it for a while. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. Let, let's switch gears here a little bit because I do want to talk about this coaching situation. And obviously, today we had kind of a, a big movement in that regards with the Sixers letting go of Brett Brown, which can impact the Bulls going forward because not only could it take away one of the candidates that was considered the leading candidate for the Bulls position in in, in Adoka, but again, that opens up another coaching vacancy that the Bulls have to compete with against with with teams like the Pelicans and even the Nets. Uh, where where are you on that as, as far as you're, when you're looking at the coaches that are available uh, and what do you expect uh, that process to start for, for AK and him really getting into starting interviewing guys? Yeah, so he, he did tell us post-lottery that the process has started, so whatever that means. He, he said they hadn't interviewed uh, – uh, Karnashova said that um, they hadn't interviewed anyone for the position at that time. Um, by the time this comes out, it will have almost been a week since then. Um, in all likelihood, like four or five days. So possibly that started. I don't know. Um, but it, it is I, where I was on the competition in the coaching market is a little different now that the Sixers job is open than it was before when it was the Pelicans and possibly the Nets if they part ways with Jacques Vaughn. Um, it is a situation where you're competing somehow. And I don't think the Bulls job is bad. I, I've you know written about what makes the Bulls job intriguing. You know, the cap space next summer, there's or whenever the offseason is. Um, you know, the intriguing young pieces of the core that we've talked about, but somehow they end up as the fourth most appealing, um, destination of the jobs on the market right now. And I don't think that's necessarily an insult to the bulls. It's just look at the superstars on some of these teams that, um, have vacancies open, um, from the Pels to the Nets to, uh, to Philly. So the one, the one solace, I think I would say if I was a bulls fan watching this all go on and hearing, uh, Carnage was talk about how, um, they're not going to rush the decision. Uh, they're not going to rush to necessarily get a coach in place by these voluntary group workouts that the testing for them starts September 14th. Um, obviously, I think speculatively, I think it would make sense to have a coach in place by then, but uh, they've said on record that they're not going to let that dictate their timeline. Um, the reasons I would you know, take some level of solace is one, the Bulls list of reported targets seems to be different from a lot of these teams reported targets. Um, obviously, Ime Odoka is on the Philly list of candidates. He's on the staff already. It would be a pretty synergized fit. Uh, but they've also, you know, the other reported candidates there, you know, include Tyron Liu, uh, Jay Wright at Villanova, which I thought was an interesting one. Uh, this is all from Shams Tarania. And uh, Dave, Dave Yeager was another one. Um, the Pelicans, I think, were also possibly linked to Lou. They were definitely linked to Kenny Atkinson by ESPN. Um, obviously, the Bulls won't be competing with the Nets for Kenny Atkinson. Uh, but Ty Lue is linked there, too. 
it, it seems to me that the Bulls are looking for a different kind of coach than a lot of these teams, kind of that ground floor, the rebuild type, um, you know, build the culture, start with a young guy who maybe or young guy or, or woman who is getting their first opportunity um, and can build the culture from there kind of as they build their own identity as a coach. It's a lot of longtime assistants, but it would be their first head coaching opportunity types when you look at the Bulls candidates. So the couple points of solace I would take are one, you know, I think Karnashovas and company have earned uh, some level of benefit of that. You never want to give full benefit of the doubt, but for how they handled the Jim Boylan situation, you know, being deliberate and thoughtful with these things is good. Um, that applies to coaching search that applies to the draft, the pre-draft process. Um, and the fact that while they are the least appealing job of the four on the market, it doesn't seem like they're in the exact same place as teams like the Pelicans and the Nets and the Sixers who are looking to win like next year. Like these are, I think the Bulls would like to make the playoffs next year, but if they don't, or if they're an eighth seed and a first round out, it's not going to be the end of the world. Whereas for some of these other teams, it would really start to build towards a moment of reckoning if they weren't in the uh, championship picture or close to it next year. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, I think the Doka thing speculatively to me, it just makes sense. He's really well regarded and, um, for the Sixers to just promote him, he seems like he's primed for a head coaching opportunity. That's what the general consensus seems to be. Um, so I, I kind of, from the, from the time when Brown's job seemed like it was in jeopardy, my kind of working assumption there was, oh, okay, well, if he gets fired, it would make sense if Yudoka got promoted and that might be someone off the Bulls board. Um, so if that happens, it'll obviously be uh, a bummer for the Bulls because he was on their list of targets but they'll still have a number of qualified guys available to search. It kind of reminds me of when they were looking for the head of basketball operations and Bobby Webster, the Raptors uh, either denied him permission to interview or he declined the request. And um, there was kind of the sense of, Oh my God, what are they going to do? But as long as they still have viable candidates on the board, you just have to trust that they'll find their person. Who's your guy in this? Do you, do you have anyone specific that you think would be the best fit for this roster? I like Unseld. The the um, the I think he was referred to in a in a piece as the quote unquote defensive coordinator in Denver. Mm. Um, you know, schematically and strategically, he's built them into being a pretty good defense, or at least played a part in it from where they were a couple years ago, which was kind of bottom of the league. So uh, I like that he has a good player development resume. Like that, um, reading into as much as we can of Karnashovas, the Denver tie is obviously. Um, something that he would look at in this decision. That's something where you could get on the same page with someone relatively quickly. We know because Karnaschovas and Mike Malone had a great relationship that that's something that's going to be important to Karnaschovas. Um, so he makes sense. I like, I like Wes Unsell Jr. He seems sharp and he seems like he's ready for the opportunity. Um, but he, he would be my personal number one. Um, and I like Kenny Atkinson too. I think, you know, with the experience in Brooklyn in terms of building a team from an absolute dumpster fire to luring top free agents and Kyrie Irving, Kim Durant, that's certainly impressive to me. Um, and then another kind of political thing would be his uh, tie to Chris Fleming, who's the lead assistant for the Bulls. Um, they work together in Brooklyn. So that fit maybe is uh, a little bit more neat um, than any of the other candidates. But th- those would be my top two. I-, I don't have a guy that I, or guy or person that, um, I don't think would be qualified and wouldn't be a good candidate on the list though. Darvin Ham would probably be my third. Um, he seems really accomplished. Kind of funny, the hammer set that that famous play in NBA lore is named after him from when he played uh, under George Carl with the Bucks. I think that's kind of a fun fact about him. But um, he's got a good player development track record. Uh, early play at Giannis, he, he says sarcastically. 
but yeah, Wes Unsell Jr. would probably be my top of the guys of the guys available. Let me ask you another question about AK. Uh, obviously, when Pax first took over, and when he first started, I mean, he changed after, over the years. But originally, he was a guy that wore his heart on his sleeve, and whenever he gave interviews, he gave really good like insight into his thoughts and and what he wanted to do, what type of team he wanted to build. Build, I should say. Um, how how do you, how does that in comparison with AK? What kind of feel do you get from him when you're talking to him? Um, is he seem like someone that kind of hides his cards a lot and is very guarded, or do you think we'll will eventually really get to as we get to know him, we'll be like, okay, this guy does give very key points that we can take away from and kind of get understand on what potentially he'll probably want to do. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Uh, I don't want to psychoanalyze him too much, just of only uh, having uh, spoken to him over Zoom in a conference of like twenty people and uh, things like that. But I, I think the 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 feel I get from him is someone who, yeah, is for the time being playing um, his cards close to the vest. Which you know, obviously, the Jim Boylan situation was a perfect example of that, where the company line from June until basically he was fired was, "We're going to quote unquote take our time and evaluate Jim and." Um, that led to a lot of uh, consternation among the fans and speculation and things like that. Um, so, yeah, the vibe I get from him is someone who may, perhaps intentionally plays it close to the vest with things that are important and sensitive information. I think that's a totally reasonable way to go about the job. Um, I don't have personal insight into, you know, covering him at past stops, but I do know talking to people that knew him in Denver, he is kind of a, a very gregarious, funny guy with a sense of humor. Um, and you even see that shine through in the press conferences every once in a while, even if the joke that he's cracking is, I'm not going to tell you that, or I'm not going to give you the details on that. Um, so I, I think perhaps we'll see that sort of develop a little bit more as one, he gets acquainted with the bulls and two, as the bulls get acquainted with him, whether it be the internal team or, you know, us media types, you know, if we ever get, you know, Lord willing, we get in the same building as the team again, you know, in the near future. Um, maybe you'll see that start to shine uh, through a little bit more, but I do understand for things like the draft process and stuff like that. When we ask, you know, what, who are you going to target? You know, the answer is just obviously going to be, well, we can't talk about players specifically. He has given us a window into the type of style of play that he likes to play kind of up tempo, read and react. Um, you know, the way that the bulls said that they wanted to play last year and obviously it all goes up in flames. Um, but my, without no, without him knowing him previously, that's my read. Um, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me if we see kind of him loosen up as, you know, the, he gets acquainted with the Bulls and the Bulls get acquainted with him. So I want to I ask you this before we uh, wrap up. With Boylan gone and we, we know about a lot of just awkward and weird quotes that he's made over the years and we know that the players weren't feeling him at various times and we talked earlier about how even though this is a 20-something win team and Jim Boylan – got much of a notoriety for it. There's a lot of things that the players can do well. And we, and now the attention is going to be on them with a new head coach. So how do you, what do you make of the, the mentality on this team with the players? Do you think that they are going to thrive with this new regime in place? Grant, we don't know the coach yet, but do you think that they're going to thrive with this new regime? And do you really think that they have what it takes to really just seize the moment and really take that next step in development? Or do you think that 
it, this is just a roster that just isn't this isn't really going to be it long term like wh- just what do you make of how they're going to respond in this new era of bulls basketball it's a good question i because i don't want to fall into the same traps that i know I, i'll cop to have fallen into and i think a lot of people did of you know everything looks better in the offseason on paper this is a team that's going to complete for compete for a playoff spot you know that was kind of the the tenor around the team coming into this season from, you know, the bulls obviously stated it as a goal, which ended up being a mistake because those words get turned on you instantly when things uh, are going well. Uh, but it came from the outside too, the, those expectations of a step forward. I, I don't want to fall into that trap again, knowing that as much as I, I do think there's going to be an encore improvement with the new coach, almost irrespective of who it is um, replacing Jim Boylan. Um what I could say is the, the vibe in that locker room was never adversarial player to player. It's a group of guys that really seem to like and respect each other. Um, so from that perspective, I, I wouldn't, uh, or I, I wouldn't expect anything to change. I should say um, that never seemed to me to be any uh, place of disconnect or, or tension within the locker room was player to player. Uh, so I would expect that to do nothing but improve, you know, another year together. They obviously had, you know, Thad and Tomash coming in as uh, first year free agent signings and Kobe coming in as a rookie, you know, those guys get another year with the team and things can improve um, from there uh, in terms of their synergy with the rest of the group. Um, It's, it's vague to say, but I, I just can't imagine that this team as presently constructed is going to be the roster that takes the bulls fully to the end of this rebuild. And wherever the rebuild ends, whether it be, you know, a top four seed, whether it be championship contention, uh, whether it be a flame out, I just, I don't know who it's going to be. I think a lot's going to depend on how this year goes and what guys do when it's really the spotlight is on and the evaluative light from AK and company are on them. Um, but I just, I cannot imagine that this roster is the same going into the 2021, 22 season. I just can't imagine it Um, as much as I can be high on individual players. And I think it's easy to be high on individual pieces of this core. um, I think there is going to have to be some type of shakeup because at the end of the day, you know, there were, there were things that I think a lot of people disagreed about with what Jim did, but the coach isn't the only factor behind winning 31% of your games. Mm. Um, So we'll see. I mean, maybe everything, you know, in a miracle swing, turns next year i personally would be surprised if entering the 2021-22 season we're not looking at a couple of drastically different faces even if it's not a big free agent signing um just some form of shakeup. we just got to see how guys perform when there are a fresh set of eyes looking at them and looking at them not just in a way of we're going to build with you but are you worth building around or are we going to use this opportunity that we have next offseason with flexibility as leverage to try to make improvements or tear the whole thing down and make long-term improvements. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but certainly I think if this year has proven anything, it's not going to be this core that takes the bulls to the promised land. I, I think if I can keep it that vague, I will, but I think that's fairly safe to say. Oh yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I think that there's plenty of evidence that this isn't the group, but I, I'm really curious though, just to see if there are any players on this team who just developed that mentality out of out of nowhere just to become like almost sort of like what Jimmy Butler did but then I guess you could argue that Jimmy Butler was a product of his environment and developing around so many leaders and Noah Rose and dang and having Tibbs as your coach really had that effect on him but it, it really will be 
interesting to see if there's anyone on this roster who can eventually become just some sort of leader for this franchise going forward and really kind of lead that next charge into just a better mental makeup for this team overall. But uh, Rob, thank you for joining us for the show. Can you let our listeners know where they can read your work and where they can find you on social media? For sure. Yeah. It's uh, Rob at Rob underscore Schaaf on Twitter. Um, read all anything that I write. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be ramping up draft stuff over the next couple months. We'll be ramping up coach search and uh, analyzing these voluntary workouts whenever they come to pass. We'll be doing all that at uh, NBC sports, Chicago.com. Um, you download the, my team's app too. That's another easy way to get um, all the video and written content that we're doing um, in a mobile friendly way. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much all I got to plug. Thanks for having me again, guys. It's uh, it's always a good time. Yep, yep. You're one of our you know best uh, guests usually, and a lot of inf- informative guests too. Yeah, absolutely, man. So uh, check out Rob on NBC Sports Chicago. Salim, uh, any final thoughts from you before we wrap up? Yeah, just excited about the NBA playoffs. It's been a blast. I think uh, we've seen some good games, and as some of my questions here to Rob, I'm getting very excited about learning AK, learning his process, and finding out who he is as a GM and how he's going to do everything. So that's an exciting time, obviously, with the draft coming up. We're, we're, learn- we're going to be learning about the prospects as well, the different players, and what potentially we could do going forward in this rebuild. And I think, I don't want to say if it's a rebuild anymore, not so maybe more of a retool and going forward and trying to change up this roster to make it a more competitive uh, program and a, a competitive team. Absolutely. I'm excited to see it too. I mean, we're going to see a different process. We're going to see just different personnel overall. And it is a, a really interesting time to be a Bulls fan right now. But that concludes the show of Bulls Gold here on Nothing But Net Radio, a part of Dash Radio. If you missed any past shows, you can check us out on iTunes, on Spotify, on Podbean, wherever you get your podcast. And you can tune in every Tuesday right here on Nothing But Net Radio at 9, 8 Central to catch us. So for Salim Sudawala, I'm Edward Schuler. We will catch you next time, Bulls fans. Peace.